0: Welcome Tigris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Vintzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovei Torah Rabbinical School. We're now moving on to the letter M, and we'll be looking at Shuvot of Rav Moshe Feinstein on medical ethics. Rav Moshe Feinstein was a major, major pioneer in the area of Jewish medical ethics and halakha relating to medical issues. And Hundreds of his Chauveaux touch on these topics and just a short list of the topics that he he has covered in his life. And it should be remembered that he was dealing when there were so many new uh, innovations going on in the world of medicine. Uh, and here's just a short list of some of the issues he dealt with under medical ethics. Autonomy and informed consent, end-of-life issues, artificial reproduction, um, sterilization, uh, birth control, plastic surgery, definition of death, organ transplant, triage, abortion, and then, of course, dealing with Shabbos and Yom Tov, a Kohen being a doctor, not issues relating to non-Jews, smoking, psychiatry. These are just a short list of some of the topics that Rav Moshe Feinstein dealt with under medical ethics um, and uh, really leaves a question about which are the ones that we're going to hone in on and focus on. So what we'll be doing is looking at those that particularly relate to medical ethics and not just medical halacha. You know, actually, it's interesting the way that Jewish medical ethics sometimes often just means halacha relating to medical issues. Um, and the question is, like, where are the discussions that really get not just at halachic questions, but at deep ethical questions um, and around these sort of values and guidelines that also have relevance in terms of the uh, larger world of medical ethics? So asking that type of a question, I'd like to focus on uh, two major topics topics we'll do one over two uh episodes and one for the third and the and one topic will be about um issues around autonomy, patient autonomy. Who decides? Does the doctor decide? Does the rabbi decide? Does the patient decide? That's a very deep question that, you know, uh, broader Western society has moved significantly on that um, in the last 50 years or starting about 50 years ago. And uh, halacha would seem to be coming out from a very different perspective. So we'll be looking at uh, over two episodes on the issue of autonomy. Um, one about a uh, a patient's right to choose whether or not to do a risk procedure that might uh, save his life but also might kill him um, or shorten his life. And, um, and then uh, that'll be today's episode, that'll be this episode, and the next episode will be on uh, issues of end of life, and can a person choose to not take certain treatment so as to die sooner rather than later because they're in such tremendous pain and suffering. So these are, of course, huge issues within very practical human issues, and that also get to deep questions around, um, around medical ethics and autonomy as opposed to... Um, as opposed to a possible duty of care that a physician might have that might go against the patient's autonomy. And then for our third episode, we're going to look at the issue of triage, which is the question about, you know, who gets priority in terms of medical treatment? Uh, Do we view every human being as equal? Do we rank people differently based on their, uh, um, you know, societal status and contribution to society? A very core question of values and ethics. So today we will begin, as I said, with the issue of autonomy. And uh, the patient's right to choose, as opposed to maybe the doctors or the rabbi to choose for what is for best for the patient. Now, in the broader Western world, um, particularly after the Holocaust and the type of horrific uh, experimentations that were done on Jews against their will, often very often leading in death, the Nuremberg Council. Um, decreed that there can be no medical experimentation done on a patient, done on somebody, without his or her consent. But that, of course, was relating to issues of medical experimentation where the doctor is interested not so much in the patient's well-being, but in what he can learn from the experiments. In terms of actual care for patients, that took a little longer to evolve, but but about the middle of last century, it became a very broadly accepted principle in uh, Western medical ethics that patient autonomy was central and paramount, that a patient not only had to consent to the treatment, but actually should be a primary decision maker Maker in his or her in his or her treatment, and this of course led to issues about truth telling and um, the doctor making sure that the patient had full uh, was fully informed about the realities and that it played a major role in deciding what type of treatment um, that he should he or she should get. Now, and that of course remains true even till today, where patient autonomy is probably the central uh, principle of secular medical ethics. Now, how does that play out in terms of halacha? Halacha comes from a different perspective. Halacha, from the very get go, doesn't really look at um, rights of people. I have a right to be informed, but looks at obligations and responsibilities. And when it comes to a person's well being, there's an obligation not only for that person towards him herself, but for anybody um, to uh, protect the life of anybody else. The, The idea of pikuach nefesh, the duty of care, the obligation to protect and preserve life. And from that perspective, it's not clear that the the patient or the person in danger has any special standing or any special status. Um, Add to that the idea that is very deep within the Jewish tradition, um, as Rambam says, that it's not our own life to do with as we wish. It's God's life, the life that God has given us, which has been entrusted to us. And therefore, we don't get to decide if we are going to dispose of our life or do what we want. We have to sort of follow our divine mandate of preserving our life. Um, And Um, this idea that it starts with this mandate to preserve life and it's not even unique to the person him or herself can have pretty broad implications. Um, for example, if a, um, can you force treatment on someone if they are refusing treatment for irrational reasons or they're refusing treatment because, for example, let's say somebody would rather not be, have his leg amputated, would rather not go through life without a leg rather than to have his life saved. Um, do we have to say that you know what you don't have a right to make that decision? We all have a mitzvah to preserve life. You're violating your obligation to preserve life by choosing that. And I, the doctor, or your, you know, your your uh, spouse or your parents, am going to say that we that we're going to force this treatment on you. And there is definitely a lot of um, basis in halacha to say that when people are making decisions such as that, that they have no right to make those decisions. Uh, they are choosing against their their religious mandate of preserving life, and they are not—they do not have the autonomy to decide to refuse treatment. So, with that as a background, we're going to see where Moshe Feinstein sort of steps in, and he, we will deal, as I said, with the issue first about. Um, about making a choice uh, and having the ability to decide whether or not to undergo a certain procedure or surgeries um, and whether, when there's a risk involved. And specifically in the case of a terminal patient, that if he does nothing, he will uh, die within, let's say, a few months or maybe even sooner. Um, but he has the opportunity of doing a, t- a surgery, which could extend his life by years, uh, but also uh, could, um, could kill him right away. And uh, who gets to make that decision? So this actually, the the core of this begins in a passage in the Talmud in Avodah And what I should say also right at the outset is that what is quite uh, fascinating and even shocking about the two Voder of Moshe Feinstein on medical ethics is how many of them um, really have almost no Talmudic sources. They'll have like one Talmudic source and the rest will actually be just his own sort of uh, working out of that and application of what he believes is sort of logical and makes sense um, in terms of the issues at stake and the values at stake without any of the normal type of technical uh, proof texts and working through details, as you often find in halachic analysis. Now, partly or largely, this is because all, so many of these questions are new and don't really have um, the type of sources that would normally be able to be brought to bear. But what it shows also is the strength of Rav Moshe as a posek that he feels that you know even going on very few to any sources, he is really able to make critically important decisions about the parameters relating to um, relating to medical ethics and what type of care and what type of autonomy a person can have at uh, end-of-life issues and so on. So in this tshuva, for example and the tshuvas we're going to be looking at Rav really deals with just one Gemara. And this Gemara says that if a person has to choose between um, a person has sha'a, which means that they have uh, their terminal and they have only a limited amount of life to live that they can actually choose to uh, to, you know expose themselves to risk to try a type of a treatment that might actually um, allow them to live for a long life. Uh, that we don't worry about Hayesha about, brief life uh, when what can be gained is actually uh, chaye olam, which is a- when what can be gained is actually long life and restoration to health that's the core gemara and that would sort of seem okay well that pretty much answers our question um, but not really because there are a lot of open questions about that for and the most and the primary one that we're asking is who gets to decide that choice is a legitimate one to be made but is that one choice that the patient makes? Is that a choice that the doctor makes? Um, is that a choice that you have to choose one of those ways? You have to choose to risk your life in order to do the surgery? Or um, are you just allowed to make that choice? So prior to Rav Moshe, for example, I'll just read two very brief sources. One is uh, the Pitre Tuva in Yerdea 399, and he says the following, dealing with a qu- question of this nature... When this issue comes up about choosing to risk a brief life, to risk the few uh, days and weeks and months a person might have left for a possible cure, you have to be very careful, very patient, deliberate in your decision-making. To consult with uh, expert doctors. Okay, well, fine, that's just good advice, but that might mean the decision is still mine. But then he continues, And you should act according to the majority consensus of the doctors, with the sign-off of the sage of the city. So here, it's not my decision to make. I have to consult with doctors, and I am required to follow the advice of doctors and the advice of the rabbi. Um, So that is clearly a way of dealing with this. It's a legitimate choice to make. It's a legitimate to make this risk in order for it to be cured. But it's not, that's not the same as your, auto, your autonomy, and you have the right to choose. Uh, the rabbis and the doctors will choose for you. Um, similarly, the Nishmas Avraham quotes a the book Mishnas Chachamim um, and he writes the following. This is in the Nishmas Avram one fifty five one, And he says the following Mishnas uh, Chachamim was just based in that you have to get the permission of the court, of the rabbinic authorities, every time you're about to make this choice about doing this procedure that might save your life but might risk your life. And you have to of course go by the expert doctors and so on. So these are obviously the um, ones that are not uh, celebrating the idea of patient autonomy, um, but to some degree um, are completely consistent with what we would have expected from, you know, the the Jewish uh, tradition and the Jewish values about the mandate to protect life and how that is not something that, at least on the face of it, gives any special rights or um, or standing to the patient him or herself. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the Cuba Vermosha Feinstein. And he has a couple of QVOT. We're going to start with the the core one, which is in Yerdea 336, and this is from 1972. And he writes the following so exactly our case you are risking a limited lifespan a you're a terminal patient you know risking you only have a few months left to, left to live for the possibility of many years and this is written to Aryeve grossness from London um, interesting some recent Qs we've been seeing are to rabbis in London. okay and here's how he here's how he frames the question he has a hole in his heart a puncture in his heart and according to the to the expert doctors he will definitely die in a short period of time and they want to do an operation surgery and to fill the holes with plastic the holes in the heart but they say that if it and they say that if it's a success then he might live you know he might live five or ten years. But it's possible, you know, every surgery, there's risk. And particularly some surgeries, there's a lot of risk. And it's possible he'll die right away. Um, and you want to know, like, what is the story? Is a person obligated to make a particular choice? Does he have the right to make the choice? What do you do in a situation like this? And he says, you, the uh, rabbi who asked me the question, you write, um, the gemara the, zo from the Gemara that says that, you, um, that a person risks uh sha'a. Uh, risk person can risk like a limited life. He says, So the question becomes like this. Can you make from the Gemur it's clear, as we said, that you can choose to do the surgery. But what about, says Rav Moshe, if the odds are against it? What about if, you know, 20% likely it'll be a success and 80% likely that you'll die on the table? But you only have a few months to live anyway. So can you take that risk? Is that a reasonable risk? You know, you're you're 80% likely you're giving up your few months to live, 80%, you know, eight times out of 10. Are you allowed to make that choice even if um, the only, a minority of cases will be a success? And the rabbi who asked the question says that it seems from the Gemara that the Gemara says, you know, that this is a choice that can be made and it doesn't distinguish between what are the odds that it seems like you are allowed to make this choice in that case. So now, let's see what Rev Moshe says. Um, first of all he says maybe not maybe it's only when it's a 50 50 type of an issue or you know ballpark 50 50. it's true from the gemara you know we should start by assuming maybe only if it's like equally balanced we could go one way or the other Um, but um, maybe if you're more likely you'll die you know that's not a good basis from the Gemara story okay and maybe you have to um, be you know do play the odds there um, and be concerned that most likely this will this will cause death. So here Rav Moshe is starting with, you know, what we would sort of normally expect, as we've said. You don't have really a lot of discretion um, if the likelihood is, is that this will be more dangerous than not. It, you don't have the right to choose otherwise. Your mandate of of care for your own life tells you how you have to act here. That's how he sort of starts off. But then he says... That again, the questioner pointed out that there's even though the, one could have come to that conclusion from the Gemara, that there's a shuva of the Achi Ezer, Reb Chaim Ozer and he says Shehu hitir afka misukan v'karv yoteh shem even if there is a high danger, a high likelihood that the person will die, even so, he is allowed to make that choice to take that risk. Because the phrase in the Gemara is, we're not concerned for the like for the brief period of. Of life, this person has left if there's a possibility of cure. So, that almost dismissive tone, lo chai shina, and we're not concerned about it, means that, it, that you're allowed to take a big risk. So it doesn't matter whether it's 50-50 or whether the odds are against you. Um, And Rav Moshe says, even though I might have thought otherwise based on the Gemara, since this the Achiezer rules this way, who can stop somebody who wants to choose to go like the Achiezer? So already here we're seeing, you know, his openness to patient choice because Rav Moshe often is, um, uh, you know, does not feel that he has to follow the Positions of the Achiaser, who is pretty much close to being a contemporary, and Rav Moshe often very strongly argues with the Achiaser in other matters. But and here he doesn't. And you could have said, like you know, this is an issue of nefashos of risk of life. So how can we rely on the Achiaser, which is more likely that'll lead to death and it'll lead to life? But Rav Moshe doesn't situate us in what are the likelihood of life or death? And as we standing outside the situation and our obligation of protecting life, he situates us in the world of the patient. And he says, here's a patient, he wants to choose one way. Who are we to stop him and tell him that he cannot rely on this position of the Achiezer? Um, So already sort of opening it up. And then as Rav Moshe continues, he really does seem to fully embrace this position, that it's completely the patient's discretion. He's allowed to take a large risk if he, if to do the surgery if that could hopefully cure him. Just the way he frames it shows that not only is he sort of opening up the range of choice, but he's situating ourselves from the perspective of the patient and what the patient wants to do. Um, Now, um, then Rav Moshe goes on to deal with cases which maybe the patient doesn't have a choice. So then Rav Moshe deals with, uh, after opening up the area of discretion and patient choice and patient autonomy, uh, he deals with cases where it's going too far and where really the mandate to protect life um, has to come first. Um, And he asks two types of scenarios. One scenario is that the, um, that This person is not going to be cured, that if we do the surgery, instead of living six months, it's possible that we can extend his life to 12 months, Um, but it's possible that it'll kill him right away. So are you allowed to do, is somebody allowed to make that choice? And here Rav Moshe says, actually, he can't make that choice because it's not going to cure him. It's only going to extend his current state. It's not, you know, and even in that current state, he's always at risk. So it's going to go from six months to 12 months. That's not a choice you're allowed to make if it might kill you. Um, He says... It seems, in my case, that you can permit it. Similarly, Rav Moshe says, um, what if the person actually is not uh, terminal, is not going to die in a few months, might actually have a few years left to live, um, and he nevertheless wants to go under, undergo a surgery that, you know, that might cure him completely. Can you undergo it if you have not just a few months, but a few years, um, and this surgery could kill you right away, but it could cure you? How to deal with that case? And here Rav Moshe says, um, that uh, that says, you know, he goes back and forth whether one could make an argument that it's allowed, but he says, it seems to me it's not allowed. Now, there's no proof that it's not allowed in this case. Uh, maybe, you know, again, the person is terminal, just terminal for a few years from now, not a few months from now, so maybe you can take that risk. He says, you know, I don't have any proof that it's not allowed. You need a proof to tell me you are allowed, you know, if you are definitely risking your life. There needs to be evidence that you are allowed. So it's very interesting, the push and pull by Rav Moshe Feinstein. On the one hand, without that much evidence in the Gemara, he sort of gives you a wide range for patient autonomy um, and says that you can choose to undergo a risky surgery. And at the same time, he says, not all the time. Um, And under some circumstances, he says, I can't prove that it's forbidden for you to make that choice, but I can't prove that it's permissible either. Now, so Rav Moshe, basically has said that a person can choose to do a risky surgery even if there's only a small chance that it will cure him um, if the person is terminal. Uh, and this, uh, and situating ourselves in the choice of the person. He's made no mention of the doctor's choosing or of the rabbi's choosing. It's almost, it's almost more powerful what he isn't saying. The whole tshuva is just assuming that we're starting with the issue of the choice of the person. Um, although, again, there are some limits of what types of choices can be made, or there's some questions of some limits. Um, but a person can choose even this highly risky surgery. Now, what about the reverse? Is a person have empowered to choose to um, not do a surgery? Let's say the doctors tell him, you know, it's only a 20% chance that you'll die on the table, 80% chance that this will cure you. And if we don't do the surgery, you're going to die in a few months. Does a person have to choose to do the surgery? Because here you would think like, obviously, the right choice is to try to do the thing that will cure you. Or how far does the patient dis- discretion go in this case? So our motion continues and says the following. Um, must he risk the few months that he has left and with, because of the possibility of cure? So he says, No, the language of the Gemara is you may um, choose to risk your life in order for a cure, but you're not obligated. Okay, but that's if it's like 50-50 and maybe that's where you have discretion because, you know, there's no way to know exactly what the right choice is. But then Rav Moshe says, but you know what? If the likelihood is that this will cure you, then it makes sense to think that you really are obligated to make that choice. Now, uh, you might be obligated, but that doesn't mean that if you don't make that choice, we can force it on you. That's a separate issue And Rav Moshe, and we'll get to that uh, in the next episode about forcing treatment. But at least in terms of what you should do, if you're asking a rabbi and you want to know what you should do, here halacha has an answer. And here halacha will tell you, choose life. Uh, and you should really be willing to undergo the risk when it's more likely that you'll survive. Um, and that actually, maybe for our modern you know, sensibilities, rubs us the wrong way. Really? What is it? If it's 40, 60, I have to make that choice, you know, where does exactly draw the line? And it is important that, you know, Rav Moshe um, might say that he's obligated, but when it comes to the issue of forcing treatment, as we'll see in the next episode, if you don't want to make that choice, um, then uh, uh, Rav Moshe is very much against the issue of forcing treatment on someone. Um, So here we do see an interesting balance of opening the range for patient autonomy, not saying speak to the doctor, speak to the rabbi. It's your choice whether you want to take a risk for this risky surgery. Um, But if uh, it's most likely will cure you, maybe that shouldn't be your choice. Maybe you really do have to choose to take the surgery. At least that's what he is saying here. Now the question is, what is the logic um, that underpins why you are given this choice? Why we don't sort of say, look, it's an obligation to protect life, and that should be everybody's equal obligation. Why? Why do? You, why do you, this patient, get that choice? Uh, now, what one could have said is, is that that's because. Questions like this, there's no right answer, right? What's the right answer? Should you be willing to undergo a 20% risk in order to get, you know, to live multiple years or not undergo that risk? Like... It has to do with people's uh, openness to taking risk or their conservatism, their high, their ranking of value. There's no a- objective right answer. So one way of approaching this is in a case where there's no objective right answer, um, then of co- the patient should be the one that gets to decide. That's one way of thinking about this, which might be when there does seem to be an objective right answer, that there's a high likelihood it will cure you, maybe you don't get to decide. So that's definitely one way of thinking about this. But let's see what Rav Moshe says in terms of the the, the-, uh, the uh, sort of philosophical underpinning about this. So Rav Moshe, in answering what the theoretical underpinning is, sort of turns us to the fact that the Gemara learns this idea, derives this idea that a person can choose uh, to risk temporary life for the possibility of a cure from a story of Gehazi and his sons, who are four commoners, who are not Talmide Chachamim. The Gemara actually says that they don't get a portion in the world to come. And they made a choice to risk what life they had left for possibly to be saved and to live a long life. So Rav Moshe says, how can you learn a halachic principle from these four people that were not Torah scholars, were not you know halachic uh, observant for anything we know? Like, What type of halachic principle can be learned from them? And Rav Moshe says that what you can learn from them is not a halacha per se, but what you can learn from them is people's preference. And what you can learn is, is that people will prefer I don't know all the time some of the time most of the time but often people will prefer to risk a few months for the possibility of a long life. And he says like this. He says, "Didina inshi." The Torah law about how to deal with these questions about medical treatment is a function of what people want and what people prefer and if this is a normal type of a choice that people make. And then he goes on and says the following. Against the idea that we said in the beginning that, you know, this isn't your life and it's the life that God has given you and you really don't have discretion what to do with it. But Moshe says, you know what, that's not true. There are some areas where you do have rights and discretion and questions about how to deal with these cases about a risk. Uh, you know, is it right to undertake the risk, not right to undertake the risk? This is a place where you actually are given the discretion of what to do. So therefore, sir, of Moshe, um, you know, it, once this is a reasonable choice that people will make and this is there's not a black and white answer here. Halacha is saying that you have the right to make the choice as you best see fit. And then Rav Moshe even points out that he says that really because this, different people will have different attitudes about risk, about, you know, risk aversion or willingness to take risks. And he makes a very interesting analogy to money. He says, Some people will choose um, to hold on to the definite few months rather than the doubtful long life. Um, And he says, We see this when it comes to money. That I would rather, you know, keep a small amount rather than risk making a big profit but losing my principal. And there are other people that would want to risk a small amount to make a big profit, even though they might lose their, their principal. So there's no right answer here, says Rav Moshe, and therefore the Torah gives us discretion about what to do. So in a case which is not black and white, there's no obvious right answer. And there might be cases there are right answers and you really don't have that discretion, uh, like when there's a high likelihood this will cure you. But in cases where there's no right answer, not only do we not know what to do, we throw up our hands so we, so we let you choose, but we actually say that you do have Rights over your own body. There is that sense about not only sort of patient autonomy, but of actual sense of rights to my own body and rights to my and rights to myself, which to us as Western people seems obvious, but from a halachic perspective is not so obvious. So this is really a landmark shuva of Moshe Feinstein that gives autonomy to patients to choose whether to undergo certain procedures or certain therapies or not, um, and pretty much allows them, you know, full discretion. uh, Maybe not when it's obvious what will cure them, and maybe that we should sort of intervene or encourage them to choose otherwise but really gives an enormous amount of discretion for somebody to choose either way saying that the Torah actually embraces the idea of your right to choose your autonomy uh, because this uh, for this issue you have balut al, this aspect where there is discretion, you actually have ownership over your own life to make that decision. Um, the last important point that's worth making here is the question of who has the discretion because often you're dealing with cases of minors or of people that are unconscious and you have to turn to the family members to make this decision. And again, from a halachic perspective that precedes Rav Moshe, you would say, Once the patient is not around to make the decision, obviously it should be the doctors who make the decision or the people that are most informed, like why do uh, family members have have any particular right? And Rav Moshe here, again, embraces what was becoming, you know, or what was the norms in the larger society. The norms in the larger society was patients get to play a role in their decision-making, and he embraced that and found how that works within halacha. And there was a norm about families get to decide when the patient can't decide, and he too embraces that and uh, sees a way in which that works according to halacha. And he says the following. He says, um, and this is now in a new tshuva in Choshen Mishpat 274. When these types of cases, it's dependent on the uh, patient and his or her family. Um, again they can decide to have the operation and then he says now what is the issue about the family why is it the family's discretion now if the the it's a minor or somebody who doesn't know he's like just can't decide or maybe somebody who's unconscious and can't decide then the parents or the family can make the decision why Because the majority of, you know, people that are sick, if they're not able to make the decision themselves, they would trust the decision made for them by their parents or by their family, by the people who care most about them. Or their siblings. They know that they will act most for that person's behalf and their well-being. And if there are no relatives, then you can go and ask the rabbis. So, Rav Moshe here extends this sense of autonomy and choosing not only to the patient, but to the immediate family. Who we say will definitely be acting on the patient's behalf. Now, from that perspective, of course, uh, it's not necessarily limited to the family. If you have a family that there's a lot of antagonism and it's you know and everybody hates each other, which sadly does happen, and a person has a best friend who he will trust his life with and knows will act on his behalf, or like things like assigning a healthcare proxy, you know, and somebody maybe actually did assign a healthcare proxy because they believe this person will act on their best behalf. From this logic, we should follow what that person says and not what the family says. Um, and this is, again, ultimately rooted in the patient's desires and choice. But if we can't know them, we go to the family to try to assess um, what those choices would be, what would be in his best interest. Now, there's one final tshuva about this issue of the family that I want to just touch on. And he says like this, um, and this is in Igris Moshe, Choshe 2, 74, number two. And he says like this, the bistama, When you don't, there's no way of knowing what this person wants. So there are certain cases where Rav is dealing with end-of-life cases that you should assume a person does not want to extend uh, the last few minutes in suffering and would just allow to, to die peacefully. We'll see more about that next time. Um, that's just the, the default. But he says, in most cases, he has relatives. Now he adds a different dimension. These relatives have a greater legal obligation to care for this person, and therefore they are in the position more to make the decisions for that person. And he says like this, Now let's say this operation obviously will cost money, and the patient does not have the money himself or herself, he says bioter the obligation to pay for the for the medical care is on the those who are uh, more closely related his immediate family But he says, but okay, if the family can't afford, then it's a communal obligation. So here what Rav Moshe is doing is he's not setting up the right of the family because they will most act on behalf and the best interest and they can most understand what the patient would have wanted. But it actually goes to the question of duty of care, that a person has a primary duty of care to himself. After that duty of care, the people that have a primary responsibility are the immediate relatives, and that's why they would also have to pay for the bills if the person couldn't pay. And only afterwards does it come the community's responsibility. So these are two very interesting different approaches, right? Is it fundamentally the autonomy and the choice rooted in um, the person's will and desire, and is he a risk taker and not a risk taker, and the family ability to choose is one that is, uh, or, or to make the choice if he's not able is because they can best sort of uh, um, you know, best guess at and uh, at what he would have chosen, and what's in his best interest, and it's ultimately about a question of how he would choose, um, or is it a question of duty of care that his right to make a choice with these questions of taking a risk or not take a risk is because he has the primary duty of care on himself to himself more than anyone else does. So cases where there's no black and white, you know, it's his his first decision to make his duty of care is primary, and if he can't make it, then it goes to the family and. only then does it go to the broader community. So what we have seen in these two vote is really, it's breathtaking when one appreciates what came before Rav Moshe, the sense that there's really very little room for discretion. Family obviously would not have a role. This is a question about doing what's in the best interest of the person. The person doesn't get to decide. It's just a question of our duty to, to, to heal and to protect. And it's nobody, you don't have rights over your own body or over your own health in some fundamental way. And Rav Moshe actually says that In many, many ways, that is not true, that when there is no right answer, when there is questions of discretion, should you take a risk, should you not take a risk, um, then that really is the person's choice to make. Um, And if the person, and he doesn't mention rabbis, he doesn't mention doctors, obviously you consult with doctors, but in terms of whose choice it is, it is the person's. And when the person is not able to make it, he makes a role for family, which is also not found anywhere in halacha, either because they best act on his behalf or because they, after him, have the primary duty of care. And all of this based on the theoretical foundation, again, which is really groundbreaking. That is with this idea that we um, that everybody has to care about, you know, life, and there's no particular privileged place for the person. Rav Moshe says actually there is a particular privileged place for the person, him or herself. That in areas of discretion, the Torah allows this when this is a reasonable choices and people could choose otherwise. The Torah says in this case, you actually do have ownership over your life. You do have the right to decide. And therefore, um, patient autonomy really, because of Rav Moshe, um, has now a significant place within, within halacha and within medical ethics. So in this way, Rav Moshe really creates a central place for patient autonomy in halacha in making decisions about undergoing surgery and treatment. And next, uh, next episode, we'll see how he gives it a place in end-of-life care and choosing whether to have treatment or to allow for, um, for a person to just die without intervention. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer, now celebrating over 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Chavive Torah and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center for Halachic Studies. With close to 150 rabbis in the field, YCT is leading and inspiring Klaal Israel with a Torah that is nuanced, compassionate, and contemporary. Check out yctorah.org to learn more.